Hello, and welcome back to the Internet Report, where we uncover what's working and what's breaking on the internet, and why. In the US, Thanksgiving and Black Friday are almost upon us, and this week we're here with another special episode covering Black Friday best practices, with tips for delivering great user experiences and minimising downtime during one of the retail industry's biggest periods of the year. We'll also cover helpful case studies of Black Fridays that experienced hiccups and what you can do to guard against similar disruptions. I'm Barry Collins, and I'll be your host today with the hugely knowledgeable Mike Hicks, Principal Solutions Analyst at Thousand Eyes. I started by asking Mike how companies running e-commerce websites have had to adapt to meet demands now that Black Friday has become the busiest day of the year for many internet retailers. Yeah, absolutely, Barry. So obviously things have dramatically changed. And as you said, it's got sort of grown bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, we're flowing into Cyber Monday now. So it becomes this whole journey. And even sort of going back as far as sort of early days of October. So the, the planning, and again, if we sort of go back historically and look what, what happened in the early days, we're really just concerned with the capacity issue. You know, if you think it was kind of not restricted to the US, but that's where the main focus was. So we could have our content and everything sort of centered in one location and we went around there. And the primary focus with them really was, do I have enough data? Do I have enough access to come into that? If I get hit by all these people at once, have I got enough access? And that's where the, that's where the concentration was actually sort of built around really was became just a load exercise. Then as that evolved and we started to sort of have this more distributed architecture around from there, and also as the users started to grow, the planning changed. We've now got to consider a number of things. You know, so part of this testing going forward in the first day around the sort of the what products are people going to be interested in. And it, it, you know, it comes in in seasons and, and you know, we'll, we'll get on to sort of the global aspect of it in a little while. But, but if I think about this, so what products do I need to sell? So I need to have to get that inventory in. So I have to need to be able to sort of make sure that I have enough stock in so that I can actually get them out. We also have to consider the logistics of getting things out. But primarily, the major concern is that speed to load that page, to get the information to them. Uh, and I think, again, I'm very old. So when I go back in the early days, people were talking about eight seconds for a website. If it took that long to load, you know, they would go somewhere else. And I, I can't remember the latest figures, but it is down to sort of around three seconds. Three seconds is a vanishingly short amount of time to retain a customer. And it's not only the raw page loading time that retailers need to test these days. So it's no good looking just availability. It's how can I get on, again, get my product I want to see up there and point people to that so it starts going to the back end. So I now then have to start to consider sort of load testing and looking for things like chatbots because I want to keep those people engaged. Because if you think, I don't want to bounce right, I don't want people to move away from there. So all of a sudden, I'm adding another dependency on top, another add a bit of complexity. So the testing that needs to be done has moved away dramatically from essentially just load testing to this whole functional performance testing. Because you know, the, the, we're obviously always going to have bottlenecks in those areas, but because I'm coming from a distributed perspective, what I'm really concerned with is a degradation in my performance because that's going to dramatically cost me money. But it's kind of easier to build for resilience. And the internet itself is fairly resilient. If we get a path coming down, it may affect local users, but essentially it's not going to affect my e-commerce site. So I can have all that there. I can have redundant architecture, but it's putting that all together. So the testing today now has to come and look at this complete area. 
And sort of just a bit of a war story on one of those, an organization I was working with didn't actually do that. So again, it was sort of, we started to move out from these early days. We'd moved away from load testing, but what they hadn't considered was this single point of aggregation in the back end of the system. So when one particular item became very popular, they hadn't counted for everybody trying to do this search at the same time. So all of a sudden they had this bottleneck because they hadn't then considered that this workflow to, to uh, test this function right through, all they'd, they'd done and verified for was to actually look to the front end. So what happened was people couldn't get it, the search was just timing out, and this product wasn't unique, which meant they could get it somewhere else, might have been a few dollars more, but they could actually get that item there, whereas before they were just looking essentially at sort of the, the spinning doom of death. As Mike stated earlier, meeting Black Friday demand isn't purely about making sure your website can stand up to the weight of traffic. It's ensuring that logistics, distribution, warehouses, and all the other parts of the chain are prepared too. So how do companies go about testing for this? It's a great point there. And there's something there as well, because we're now sort of dealing with people and processes as well. So you think about logistics is, uh, and I, I joke about this all the time, sort of living out here rural in, in, in Western Australia there, is next day delivery for us means the next day they're prepared to deliver it. So, But that's not the same necessarily for the rest of the world. It's, you know, it's got to be there straight away. So I've got to have all these systems have got to tie together and, and people want instant gratification. So I've ordered it. I want it there as soon as possible, you know, because you do have time to return it, sort of buyer's remorse, those types of things that, that sort of may kick in, but I want it there and sort of instantly sent out. So again, we've got to tie into this backend system for my inventory stuff, but also I've got to tie into my logistics. Do I have a courier available to deliver to this area? So these are all checks that have to go through from the first place. So as I'm going, it before I even take that order, am I going to be able to deliver it? Because also some of these organizations to try and beat their opposition may have these, we'll deliver it within four hours or you know, we'll give you a 10% discount on your next sale or, or, or whatever it happens to be. So therefore, to do that, to be able to offer that, I have to make sure that all these things are connected together. Now, a lot of these organizations have their own logistics systems in place, but what I'm now doing is I'm introducing another B2B aspect, another third-party system where I've got to go in. So I've got to be able to sort of verify their systems. How far do I go into their system to make sure they've got drivers available, these sorts of things? You know, there might be SLAs involved, but it's this linking together. So, And it's interesting because um, when we deal with retail, we're dealing with physical products, so we're actually sort of buying, we're not buying software, um, or that is a part of it, but essentially the bulk of it is we're buying sort of physical items. So as soon as I do that, I'm involving not just technology, I'm not just spinning up another web service or another microservice somewhere else or, or an instance to actually sort of load this game down where someone can do. I've actually got to make sure I have people and processes linked together so that this whole chain has to work seamlessly. Retailers might be able to test every part of their own systems, but there are a few businesses these days that don't rely on third-party suppliers, distributors, and other partners. I put it to Mike that it must be difficult to low-test partner systems too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess, you know, so we're talking load testing, but it is really that functional performance. Our load has a factor in it. But to your point there, I can't load test someone else's system because I can't essentially load test without becoming destructive. So if I start to put loads of queries or transactions through, I'm doing a, a, a couple of things here. So one, I'm increasing the load and therefore stopping them have their other business, but also I am placing an order on their system. So they might be taking something off the shelf and putting it down the warehouse and then returning it back to the shelf. So therefore, what I have to be able to do is devise a test that tests that functional performance without becoming destructive. Uh, but it has to go into test that back end and it has to be able to test that third party. So what I'm actually doing at this point is I'm making a call to an API 
but it's not just enough to say, is that API up and available? It has to work, right? So there's a certain amount I can test into someone's system without becoming destructive. And that's just really, do you have this item in stock? That's that's not doing anything destructive. And that then allows me to sort of test that, right? Okay, I can pretty sure that when we run this, it's going to run within two seconds. Therefore, for these users located in this world, uh, this world, this part of the world, <laughs> we're in a different world down here, this part of the world. Um, and therefore, that's that, that means that I'm going to meet the requirements and I'm going to sort of be able to transact and I'm going to make money on it. Black Friday has grown into a massive worldwide event with shoppers from regions right around the globe hunting for bargains around the clock. I asked Mike what challenges that constant level of demand placed on international retailers. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's sort of grown, you know, again, so I might be dating you here, Barry, but if you sort of go back into sort of our day there, you know, we had the Boxing Day sales the, 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 the day after Christmas. People would sort of, they would be queued up outside the store, queued up outside Harrods or, or wherever it happened to be, and then they'd rush in to get that 10-pound television set from there. So that, that's sort of gone away. We've gone to this global thing. We can access it from anywhere, and that has made it more accessible to everybody. Um, people start looking at this, you know, like I said, sort of from early October where we're starting to sort of sniff things out, and then we'll go through to Cyber Monday you know, as well. So we have this whole weekend. It's you know, sort of almost like a, a black week, as it were, where we start to sort of uh, have, a, have a look here and focus on this. And then we, we have these global implications. So... It's summer down here now in in uh, the Southern Hemisphere. So we're not going to be wanting to buying jumpers and scarves and those types of things. Uh, we're going to be looking for different merchandise. So I have to then not only be able to sort of make sure the right content is served to the right region, but also make sure that's available and my load and everything is there is going to be within those two seconds we talked about. But also the the time of day is going to affect, you know, because during this period, what what you will see, and, and I've seen this across a, a couple of vendors over the years, is they're doing so many pushes to their website and they reckon these sort of millisecond types of improvement they're getting has a direct impact to their bottom line. They're sort of making sort of, you know, tens of thousands to millions of dollars based on this. And what they're doing in doing these pushes, and they're not necessarily optimizing it, but they're shifting products around. So they're moving this to the front. They're making sure this person doesn't wait for the chatbot so long. So this is all happening all the time. Now, obviously, I can't have these developers sitting online, these DevOps people all the time. So I always have this dynamic workforce looking at this system for a distributed dynamic world. As Mike and I have discussed previously on the Pulse Update podcast, many retailers take the opportunity of quieter hours in the middle of the night to perform maintenance updates. However, the round-the-clock pressure of the Black Friday period makes that risky. Mike relayed the experience of one client he'd been speaking to this week. So what this customer was actually telling me was that their user base operate overnight. They're going, they start hitting their application between 12 and 4 a.m. in the morning. That's when they get their heaviest loads on. So then sort of bling that back into an e-commerce type of situation. I'm plus eight GMT at the moment. So, you know, I have this effectively this 12 hour time difference. So during the middle of the night where I might be wanting to do a, a sort of maintenance update or I've stopped doing so many pushes, I could be missing out on a whole bunch of sales because I'm not understanding demographics. And then you have this, this other aspect of it. I was talking about this digital equity. And what I mean by digital equity, is that if I'm sitting down here in, in Perth, Western Australia, I expect to have access to the same applications, the same performance as if I was sitting in headquarters in San Jose. Yeah, and, and that's a similar thing we're going to face with, or that we are facing with this the, the whole e-commerce, the Black Friday side of Monday, is I expect to have the same type of performance because, but the, the, the impact there is that if, if I don't get the same performance, I might be disgruntled or I might have to work later in the evening. 
What it happens on an e-commerce site is I'm gonna lose, I've lost that sale. So I can do as much testing as I want prior to the situation, you know, again, without being destructive, and I get a pretty good idea what's going to happen. But I'm dealing with all these unknowns. I'm doing all this dynamic environment. So I need to have a way of monitoring this or, or looking at this proactively right across from the application that I'm building and I'm for my trends, for the people doing that, sort of right down to the performance from there and sort of getting this overall view to sort of bring everything together. Finally, I asked Mike about how the big internet retailers manage redundancy during a period such as Black Friday. We know that many will rely on geographically distributed servers, so if one region goes down, another can step into the fray. But during a period such as Black Friday, where global demand is putting pressure on servers in every region, how do they cope? So if I'm thinking about normal operations, the way that we architect, we architect for resilience, we'll architect for redundancy from there. So I have shift workloads around. And again, we've talked about in the Pulse update, the single aggregation points, which can you know, effectively have this sort of uh, degradation effect. But effectively, I'm dealing with a static environment. And what I mean by static is that, all right, I know every month I'm going to run payroll. I know every count close at the end of the year. So there's those types of things. But essentially, the, the only variable I've got is that carriage, that internet perspective for it. So I have a better sense of planning. But now on th this period of the year, when I'm doing the Black Friday, Cyber Monday type of stuff, I've got to add that dynamic nature into that as well. So I can plan, I can think that this is going to be the best selling item. Again, I'm going to go to my history, the cabbage patch doll. You know, we could have that sort of there. That might be the big selling item or something comes out of left field. And I've actually structured all my CDNs. I've structured all my database, my replications to fit around there. Um, and all of a sudden that changes. Now I've got to shift workloads around. I could do a certain amount of prefetches. I can push that sort of thing, but all that's got to change. And again, then I've got that other variable that takes in place. I've got those payment gateways. So I have all that, you know, sort of, again, from a retail perspective, what if that changes around from there? What if there's a sort of currency fluctuations or all these types of things that's going to come in uh, overnight, potentially, for some of these? Now, they'll tend to fix their prices there. But again, it's another variable that comes in that is because this is a dynamic part of the year. And again, I'm dealing with protocols on top of protocols with this with this unpredictability of user behavior, as well as the unpredictability of the internet carriage itself. That's our show. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And remember that you can follow us on X at at Thousand Eyes. As always, if you have any questions, feedback, or guests you would like to see featured on the show, send us an email at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. We hope you enjoyed this special Black Friday episode. And if you're looking for a regular podcast to help you keep your finger on the pulse of the health of the internet, check out our bi-weekly internet report, Pulse Update podcast series. Until next time, goodbye.